you have a Bible, and I hope that you do, um, go ahead and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, the Luke's Gospel in uh, the New Testament, chapter 1, uh, Luke chapter 1. We will find ourselves just in verses 1 through 4 again. I know you're going to say, well, we didn't we cover those last week? Well, no, that was an introduction. This week we will actually cover the uh, these first four verses. And so um, Luke chapter 1, uh, again, verses 1 through 4, Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. So, uh, if you're physically able to do so, do and let me invite you one more time to stand with me as we honor God's Word, and may we hear God's Word as we, as we read it together. So let's, let's put our minds and our hearts to hear what God has to, has to say to us. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration or a, uh, an account of those things which are most surely believed uh, or fulfilled among us, uh, even as they delivered them to us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you in order, or that's an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you might know the certainty of those things wherein, or literally in which, you have been instructed. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that we would now receive it for your glory and honor's sake. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Be seated. It is important to get history correct. I think we could all agree on that. Um, so, for instance, uh, the Vikings didn't wear horned helmets. Uh, neither did Benjamin Franklin discover electricity by flying a kite. Christopher Columbus did not try to prove that the world was round. And uh, Cleopatra was not African or Egyptian. She was rather Greek. Um, I would also say that this one pains my heart because it means that I've believed a lie almost all my life. Abner Doubleday was not the inventor of baseball. It was, in fact, a man by the name of Alexander Cartwright. Um, he seems to have been the inventor of what we now call our modern-day game of baseball. Getting facts are necessary. They're important. And the purpose that we, we're going through the Gospel of Luke Yes, as we talked about last week, the importance of seeing as each gospel presents to us a different picture of, of what Jesus is like. Matthew representing Jesus as uh, the king of kings, the king of the Jews, uh, the, the long and waited fulfillment of David's rule and reign, uh, uh, the promised one. Mark, uh, the uh, given writing to, uh, uh, as the, uh, as the servant of God. Luke as the uh, son of man, and John as the son of God. So each one presents to us a different picture. It's important for us to get our facts correct and have assurance that what we believe and what we've always believed is, is, is true and it's accurate. And this is why Luke is writing to Theophilus. is isn't so much that Theophilus, this, this young uh, this younger ruler, uh, was, uh, was, he had been taught the gospel, he believed the gospel apparently, Whereas John was writing from an evangelistic standpoint, Luke is being written from a standpoint of you can be assured, you can have assurance that what you've learned and what you've been told and what you've been taught is true, it's accurate, it's, it's not wrong in any way. 
And so this morning, what I want us to do is I want us to look at a couple of different truths as we explore our text, because we want to be diligent students of the Word of God. We want to be diligent students of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's, that's a reason why we're going to go verse by verse through the gospel of Luke. It's why we typically go verse by verse through books of the Bible, uh, because we want to be diligent students, Bereans of the Word of God. We want to make sure that our conscience and our, our, our beliefs are captive to the Word of God, right? And so this morning, I want, us to, I want us to see, first and foremost, that we can be assured that the gospel is grounded in historical fact. And this is Luke's purpose in writing. Listen to what he says here in Luke chapter 1, verse 1. For as much, or in as much, either one, as many as have taken in hand to set forth an order of declaration or a narrative of those things which, most surely, uh, which are most surely believed or literally have been fulfilled among us, right? Luke is writing uh, the the writing from the standpoint that Theophilus is clearly understanding of of Christ's ministry, Jesus's ministry prior to that. As a matter of fact, Luke actually acknowledges the existence that many before him have tried to set these things in order, uh, of which Matthew and Mark would have would have been probably written pr- just prior to Luke. Luke being the third gospel written. Um, but Matthew and Mark being written before. He's not just talking about them, though. He's not just talking about Matthew and Mark. He's talking about others who have tried to do this. And so he is very clearly telling us that the exist, there have been previous works and attempts to lay down everything that, that, that Jesus did in his ministry, which is why he says, right, many have taken in hand, right, uh, suggesting that there have been multiple attempts by others to compile the account but in but it was God who chose Luke to do this, along with Matthew and Mark and John to do this. And he says he he has chosen he is he is at this point taking it into hand. In other words, he has undertaken and attempted something that that implies that others had tried, but they just hadn't succeeded in. Luke now acknowledges by the Holy Spirit, by the by the Holy Spirit's work and by the Holy Spirit's guidance that this is something that he is he he has been interested in and wanted to do, but it's now at this point that he believes that he is being led and driven to write this gospel narrative, the, uh, the, the his ministry or his narrative of Jesus's ministry while he lived on this earth, and he says he does this to set the order, the, the narrative in order. In other words, he wants to create an account. And by the way, Luke is one of the most organized gospels that you will find in among the four. All of them are, are, are certainly perfect in that God inspired them. But of all four of them, Luke tries to be the most historically accurate. So for instance, John picks out just like seven days out of the life of Jesus and, and, and highlights those. Matthew uh, highlights other aspects. Doesn't always doesn't always place them in in historical, uh, uh, you know, A B C D. He simply highlights certain aspects. Mark is the is the gospel of immediacy. So everything is like, uh, and then immediately thereafter, and then immediately thereafter, and then immediately thereafter. So Mark's all is the gospel of action. Things are always happening. Again, highlighting certain things. But Luke decides that. What God has inspired him to do and is inspiring him to do by the power of the Spirit is to set out an orderly account that they can understand it and have a, an orderly account for these, for, for the life of Jesus. He wants, he wants Theophilus and the church who will, the churches who will read this, including us, to know the, the, the narrative, the, 
understanding the organized account of what's important here. Um, Luke has spent much time and much uh, training. He's been trained as not only a physician, but we talked last week of how Luke would have not only been trained as a physician, but because he was a, a man of great learning, he would, he, would, uh, he would have been a man who had studied uh, history and other, other aspects, and so he would have been very well trained for what he's doing here. And he says to Theophilus here in verse 1, he says, I want you to be sure of the things that have been believed and, and literally the understanding there is fulfilled. The things that those, those who have seen it with their own eyes, I'm recording down for you. I'm not taking this secondhand. This is not secondhand knowledge. I'm getting this direct, directly from those who have been there, who have seen this. The things that, that, has, that have been undoubtedly fulfilled among God's people here in the, here among, uh, even in Jerusalem and, and in Judea and the areas there. He wants them to understand that by using this phrase, this word narrative or declaration, what he is doing is he's connecting his readers to eyewitness accounts. And he's emphasizing that these are not distant stories that he's just picked up along the way, but that he has taken great time to investigate, to sort, and to figure out the, 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 through eyewitness testimony what exactly it is that happened, when it happened, and exactly the consequences of it. It's amazing because we live in a time when there's lots of people out there who's like, oh, you know, you can't trust the Bible. It's been written by this and translated by that, and it's a book of men. But let, let, me, let me give you a couple of different, different uh, um, truths on this. One, the Gospels were written by eyewitnesses. Matthew was an eyewitness. Mark was an eyewitness. Um, he was both an eyewitness and took eyewitness testimony from Peter. Um, we also know that John was an eyewitness, and Luke relies entirely upon eyewitness testimony that of those who were there, who saw Jesus, who witnessed these things themselves. And he is a, he is a reliable witness. And so the Gospels were written by eyewitnesses. The Gospels were wit written by people who saw these events, described these events, they personally knew Jesus. They personally saw and heard what Jesus said. These are not biographies in the sense that like we would read down, you know, sit down and be like, oh, you know, let's read a biography on whoever. It's not a biography in that sense. But they do certainly contain great historical information about the Lord Jesus. Let me say number two to you about the historical reliability of the Gospels. It's that the Gospels were written close to the time of the events that they describe. Luke Matthew, Mark, and Luke having been written very early, uh, very early within uh, 20 to 30 years after Jesus's, uh, or uh, I'm sorry, 20 to 30 years after Jesus's resurrection, uh, if that, uh, they, they personally, though, described these events, they knew these events, these events were in circulation, the eyewitnesses, most of them were still alive, and they were all being written close to the time of the events that they described. We also know that the Gospels are consistent with one another. That's why they're called, the first three Gospels are called the Synoptic Gospels because they form one picture. And John then adding uh, the, the fourth Gospel with some, some difference, uh, uh, with ad giving us a little bit of a shade of a difference there, uh, helping us to understand um, the purpose of the evangelistic Gospel there. Thirdly, I would say this to you, not only, or fourthly, not only are the Gospels consistent with each other, but the Gospels were accepted very early. There may be there, there there is no doubt that these that these gospels Matthew Mark Luke and John were accepted 
very early on and were accepted by the by by the early church they were quoted by the early church fathers they were accepted and they were given as an evidence for their reliability so we can in fact know that these weren't just written down by men or translated by so and so and now we just don't know if we have this or not no 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 we know we know that we have this uh, we know that what we have is is what they wrote so here's a, here's another truth i want us to see and, and that's this we need to be persuaded of the gospel's accurate recording. And this is what Luke says to Theophilus here in verse 2. He says, Even as they delivered them to us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. So in other words, Luke is going back and he's saying, look, 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 again, I, I didn't personally see all this, but I have asked, I have talked to, and I have recorded faithfully what exactly was told to me. Remember, he spent a great many years with Paul the Apostle. He spent a great number of years. He would, have, he would have known Barnabas. He would have known the apostles. He would have known a great number of the early believers. And so he is saying to this young convert, this young man, uh, who he's, Theophilus, and he's saying, listen, you can be certain that what I have given you and what the other gospel writers, Matthew and Luke, Mark, uh, have given you are true and are accurate because they were from those who were from the very beginning. They're from eyewitnesses' accounts. They've been reliably transmitted through the apostles. And their faithfulness, by their faithfulness, they have delivered them to us. They have been handed down and passed on correctly. And it's interesting here that when it talks about, in verse 2, these, this eye, when it says they were eyewitnesses, right? Um, that is that it was these eyewitnesses, not just Luke, but these eyewitnesses that were actively circulating this information for the sake of future generations and making sure that they were being written down and transcribed carefully. And I know people like to people like to talk about, well, you know, you can play the telephone game all day long, right, and you come up with something different. But the problem with that is, uh, one, you are leaving out the most important issue, which is that the Bible is inspired by God, and two. Um, his, if, if, if that were the case always, then there would be no place and no place in any court of law for eyewitness testing. But that's not the case. It's not the case. And Luke is telling Theophilus, Theophilus, you need to be aware that what you believe isn't just a bunch of silly myth and legend and, 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 and all kinds of things like that. This is actually what happened here. And for Theophilus, and, and because Theophilus was a, 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 um, a younger Roman citizen, uh, granted, uh, Nero had not yet uh, started his, his murderous rampage, but, but you've got to remember, Christianity was not accepted by the Romans. They viewed us as, and this is funny, but they viewed us as atheists. They called us atheists because we believed in one God, right? Triune in, triune in nature, right? The Trinity, the, the God, one and three, and, and, and yet uh, we, we believe in only one God, right? And so we know that our, our God exists in the Godhead, and they called us atheists because we rejected the gods of the, Roman, the Romans and the Greeks. And so they called us atheists. So this wasn't, so for Theophilus to be a young Roman uh, or a younger Roman ruling civic leader or civil leader, he had better be sure about what he was believing, because if it came to light that he believed this, this would cost him his office, this would cost him everything. 
Christianity was not accepted by the empire and would not be accepted by the empire for a great number of years. And so Luke is writing to Theophilus, this younger civic leader, this younger civil leader. He's saying, you can be assured that what you have been taught and what I am telling you has been perfectly preserved. And that's why he says in verse 3 here, he says, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding. Notice that. He says, I want you to know, I, I chose not to write until I had exact knowledge about what had happened of all things from the very first to write to you in order, most excellent Theophilus. It's interesting. He says, look, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to know what's right. I wanted to know what's good. I wanted to know. And so at this time, I decided that it was appropriate and fitting that I would write to you at this point, telling you everything that I learned and that everything that you know is, uh, is correct. And it's interesting that he uses this phrase, having carefully investigated everything from the beginning. You know, sometimes Christianity is called a religion of, of just faith and belief, and, and, and really the, the, down, the, the, the reality of thinking is downplayed, even, even, among the local, uh, even among some local churches. Well, you know, you don't really need to think about this or need to think about that. But Christianity has always been an intellectual religion. It's always been an intellectual thought process by which we embrace truths and we reject other, other claims of truth, right? We don't, we don't believe everything and anything that just comes down the pike. We believe what we know to be true. We think this through. We're like the Bereans. We want to have comprehensive knowledge of these things, so we test all things, and we test the teachings of men against the Word of God. And so we need to have perfect understanding, like Luke, Luke wants us to have perfect understanding here. And it comes, it comes from us. It actually comes from a verb when he says, having had perfect understanding, which means that he has had comprehensive knowledge he has, he has literally uh, mastered this subject that he now understands and knows what he's talking about. And he says, I went all the way back to the beginning, which is why Luke actually includes what? Only the only other thing that Luke includes is, is that there's, there's, there's only one other gospel that includes it, and that's the genealogy of Jesus. Luke wants us to understand that he so perfectly understands everything that happens that he even understands the, the line through which Christ has come. And so we can have perfect knowledge or, or greater knowledge and perfect understanding, comprehensive understanding of the gospel. And we need to have that. We need to be assured of what we believe. And so we can be confident then in, this, in the gospel's guarantee, can't we? Here in verse 3. Because it's been organizationally structured. And listen, you may say, well, what does that have to do with the price of tea in China? Again. If you are a young civil leader, by the way, it is believed that Theophilus was the grandson-in-law to the emperor himself. So before you get anything, before you stand before your grandfather-in-law, the emperor of Rome, and say, hey, I'm a Christian, you better doggone well know what you are believing in. It's interesting that, that it's believed that Theophilus was married to Vespasian's da- granddaughter. And so this was not a light subject for Theophilus to enter into. This, was, this could not only cost him his career in Rome, this could cost him his, his, his land, this could cost him his wife, this could cost him everything. So 
Theophilus, if you're going to believe this, you better make sure that you know what this is going to cost you. And you better know that this is true. Now, for us who are in the West, this doesn't really apply at this point, right? I mean, sure, we can talk about, you know, some things that have happened here and there. And yes, they're, 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 you don't have to lose everything to, be, to face persecution. But this type of persecution, we don't face, right? We don't have the United States government coming in and saying, well, if you're a Christian, we're going to take your house and your land and your wife and everything else. We're going to do all this, right? So for us, at times, it's hard. It's very difficult for us to put ourselves in this mindset. For Theophilus to have embraced Christ means that Theophilus gave up everything for Christ. He was willing to give up everything if he was discovered and stand before the emperor himself and say, this I believe, though it costs me my wife, though it costs me my land, though it costs me my title, though it costs me everything, I here stand. This was a very big deal. One that I'm afraid too often we don't quite grasp because we don't live in that culture. But he writes to Theophilus and he says, Theophilus, what you have believed is not just a bunch of fairy tales. It's true. It's not made up stories like the boogeyman. It's not made up stories. This is truth. And he says, the reason I'm writing this to you is so that you can be assured what it is I have told you. And so he says here, doesn't he? In verse 4, he tells us that you might know with certainty or the certainty of those things wherein or in which you have been instructed. Brothers and sisters, it is important for us, and this is one of the reasons why we, we've been on Sunday nights. We also have been going through things like uh, the different cults and knowing why you why you need to believe. And, and that's one of the reasons why we'll go through tonight's sermon on how to identify biblically how to identify a cult. It's because we need to know that there are people who are not just hostile to your faith, like atheists and agnostics who would say, "Ha ha ha, you're so stupid for believing that." But even those people out who are out there, they're like, "Oh yeah, you need to believe in Jesus," but it needs to be the Jesus we teach you. And the Jesus that we twist the scriptures for you to get to believe. And, and the Jesus that we want you to believe in. Not the Jesus as he simply appears in scripture. right? But the Jesus that, that, you, that, that we want you to believe in. right? This is the Jesus you need to believe in. Now listen, I'm all for you and I believing in the Jesus we need to believe in. But we better doggone well make sure that the Jesus we believe in is the Jesus of the Bible. Not the Jesus of the cults or the Jesus of the occult or the Jesus of of any 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 other type, but the Jesus of Scripture, allowing Scripture just to speak and be what Scripture is and say what Scripture simply says. We need to allow the Scripture to to stand. Right? We need to. So so let me say this. We should always constantly come back to this. Right? We should always come back to book, chapter, verse, and context. That's the question. That's what we need to constantly be coming back to to make sure that that we need to have the making sure that as we're reading, we're making sure that we're aligning things in accordance with God's word. We're checking. You need to check me, 
right? You may love me, and I, I, hope, I hope that we like each other, but I'm, I'm going to say this to you. I, would, I pray that you would never just simply take my word as gospel law, but you would study and constantly be looking at God's word and saying, okay, Pastor Tim, are you right? Because listen, I made an absolute goofball of myself this morning in Sunday school because I didn't hear the entire question, right? I heard part of a question, and I just went on a tangent about something, and I was completely off base about everything. So we get things wrong, right? We get things wrong. So you need to make sure that you're examining everything in light of the Word of God, not in the Word of the pastor, but in the Word of God. Make sure that I am teaching and preaching God's Word. Make sure that any pastor, whether it's, it's Trent or, or, or Tim when he teaches uh, for me on Sunday night or Wednesday nights or, or any other time, make sure that what, what, or Brother Ron or anybody else, that, that you're hearing what you're hearing and what you're judging and, and what you're coming up against is making sure that it's, it's aligning with truth. That it's aligning with truth. And this is what Luke wanted Theophilus to know. He's like, Theophilus, look, everything you've heard, it, it, it's not, yes, it, it's true. And this is why it's true. You're not just, you're, you're, you're ju- we've judged, we've tested all of these things in accordance with what we know to be true. And he says that you can know with certainty. In other words, you can have confidence in the underlying foundation of the faith that has been laid for you. Now, we're not sure where Theophilus came, uh, really where he came in contact with, uh, really with, uh, with the teachings. It could have been through Paul or through Paul's, because we know Paul had, matter of fact, Paul will tell us that he had great impact on the emperor's household. Um, he talks about, uh, God, in Acts, Luke talks about, and, and in, in his own writings, Paul even says that, um, you know, uh, to greet those, uh, the, you know, from the emperor's household, and he talks about the emperor's household. And, and understand this, that whether it was with Paul or someone else, um, Theophilus at some point had come face to face with these teachings and had been instructed clearly in them. In, in other words, because when Luke says here in verse uh in verse 4, wherein you have been instructed, the word that is used here has the understanding to system to be systematically taught these things. Sort of like sort of like what we do when a new believer comes to comes into the to the church, right? We want to systematically help them and instruct them into religious truth. We want them to know the word of God. We want to help them understand the, the impact of, of what believing the Bible uh, means and, and, and what and trusting the scriptures and looking at the scriptures and knowing that it's the scriptures that must be applied to our lives for the glory of God and for the sake of our witness in the world. We are called upon to do this. And Theophilus at some point here had been, it's actually the word that we get from, the, we get the word uh, uh, catechize. In other words, it's, it's, he was systematically taught the truths of the gospel. He had received this information about Jesus' life, death, ministry, his teachings in an organized way. And he wants, he, Luke wants Theophilus to know this. Believer, the best thing you can do, and I know it's not the easiest thing to do, but the best thing for us to do is for us to um, begin in God's word and hold ourselves accountable to know God's Word, to study, to read God's Word over and over and over and apply God's Word effectively and correctly in all things. But we would say to all of this, well, that, that's a lot of good information, Pastor, but I still really don't see a lot of what this has to do with me. Well, let me, let me, let me apply this in three ways. Let me apply this in three ways and see if this helps. We'll sort of close out with the application. 
for us who are Christians, believers, I think we learn and can learn greatly about the dedication and thoroughness that Luke approached the gospel. In in our personal lives, I think we can apply this type of devotion. We need the type of devotion that Luke has and that Theophilus has and is being encouraged to have even more of. He needs to be, we we need to be like Luke and constantly investing our lives in the teachings of what of the Word of God, we need to be having a deeper and stronger relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. We need to give ourselves to the teaching of God's Word. We need to, we need to invest our time. And it's funny because we do often talk about not having time for this and not having time for that, and yet we find time for all kinds of different things in our lives, don't we? We find time for everything from reading books to watching TV, movies, or, or whatever else. And we, 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 we make a priority. What's a priority? And we need to prioritize God's Word in our lives. But not just the reading and not just the studying, but also the applying of God's Word to our lives. We need to make sure that Christ is the center of, of our understanding the Word of God and that, that we are engaging with Scripture. We're seeking God's guidance and God's wisdom in a daily, a systematic daily way. Whether that's in the morning or the evening or however that works for you, that's, that's between you and the Lord. But you need and I need, we need to make sure that like Luke and like Theophilus, we are dedicated and we are dedicating ourselves to the personal study and devoting ourselves to the Word of God, to the application of God's Word in our lives. For us as a church, let me apply it this way. As a church community, I think we can learn from Luke's example in pursuing truth and accuracy, right? We don't ever need to be, as Paul says, Paul, Paul actually talks about that we have discarded and abandoned any kind of underhanded way to emotionally manipulate people. We don't need to emotionally manipulate people. We need the un, we need the unfiltered gospel, the unfiltered word of God brought to bear on people's lives. In our lives, in our hearts, in this church, we need to strive for unity in the teachings of God's Word. We need to encourage ourselves and one another in sharing this unchanging truth that's found in God's Word. And and I would even say to you, we need to consider, we need to consider uh, holding ourselves accountable by whatever means that is, whether it's we, we, we join a, a Sunday school class or we, we find someone that can help us maintain a, a, a semblance of accountability by making sure, hey, you know, you know, how's the reading of the word going? You know, what are you learning? What are, what's, what have you been reading? What, you know, how has God opened your heart uh, this week to his word? You know, those kinds of questions are important for us. We also need to be encouraging one another. Through, through provoking conversations. Yes, listen, I love talking about baseball. I love talking about sports. I love talking about basketball. I love talking about all kinds of things. But, but before we do that, we need to provoke one another to, in our conversations with fellow believers. Hey, what, what has God shown you in his word? What is, it, what is it that God has been helping you apply in your life? What is, it, what, is, what is this? How can we encourage you? How can we help you? And lastly, let me make an application for the end. And then we'll call. For those of you who may be here who have never placed your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, please know this. The gospel of Jesus Christ isn't just a hodgepodge of information that was picked up here, there, and everywhere and just all slopped together and then just shaken up and then thrown out on a table somewhere and like, oh, that looks perfect. The gospel of Jesus Christ, while you you cannot believe it, while you can reject it, 
You cannot, if, if, you are, if you are truth, if you are seekers of truth, if you truly seek God in all that he has revealed, you cannot walk away but by simply saying, I refuse. Not because it's stupid, not because it's not true, not because it's, not because, uh, not because it's, it's, it's got lots and lots and lots of contradictions in it, but simply because you just simply say, I refuse to believe. That's the only way. If you are a seeker of truth, you can walk away after having examined God's word, examined the truth of God's word. It's the only way you can walk away is with a hardened and unrepentant and unbelieving heart. And yet, the, God, the call of God in the gospel is still the same for you who will hear his call, and that is to come to faith in Christ, to look to Christ, to repent of your sins, to turn away from your sin, to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, to trust his finished work on you, for you on his, that he has done on the cross. Believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Turn away from your sin. Turn away from your self-righteousness. Turn away from, your, from all of your idolatry and look to Jesus perfectly, who is the perfect Savior of all who will repent and believe the gospel. And this is the call of God for you this morning. And this morning, while we don't have an invitation, I will simply, here's my invitation to you. If you would like to talk more about this, we, I would love to, after the service, talk more about this with you so that we can examine these truth claims together and I can give you some more resources. But in the end of the day, brothers and sisters, please know that we have great assurance that what we have believed is not fairy tales and not lies, but is the utter, utter, unfiltered word of God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gospel that's been given to us and that we can know the truth of, of your word, that this isn't something that was just slopped together or, or, or half-heartedly done, but this is something that has been systematically throughout from the very beginning taught in churches from the very beginning that if we were to go all the way back to the apostolic age, all the way back to the days of Paul and Peter and, and the apostles and Luke and Timothy and Titus and those that are mentioned in Scripture, God, John the Apostle, we know that the same truths that we believe today taught and believed then. We praise you for that truth. May you give us assurance of, the, of, of, your, uh, of, of your gospel. May you grant us assurance of your, um, your just unadulterated, unfiltered truth that you have given us. God, we thank you. We ask you to strengthen our faith to help those who may not know Christ this morning turn to Christ, flee from their idolatry, and look to Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of the faith. God, we pray that you would draw sinners, you would save your people, you would glorify your name, you would cause us to rejoice in Christ. And we pray this in Jesus.